Hello and welcome to another edition of Spotlight, the Star Trek podcast where we view the Star Trek franchise through a non-Trekkie lens. I'm joined here by my usual co-host Matt. Hello. And Paul. Hello. And I'm Liam H. Dempsey. We've also got a guest with us today, returning, he was with us for our Next Generation episode, Sean McLaughlin. Hi, pleasure to be back, guys. Excellent, great to have you here, mate. We're here today to talk about Star Trek Discovery. We did discuss uh, Discovery when the first two episodes had just dropped back last year um, and had some thoughts, initial reactions about them. Uh, but we're now here. The only time we've ever been kind of on the occasion. The zeitgeist has truly passed us by. Yeah. Uh, and w- once again, the same thing has happened where season one. <laughs> Season 1 finished fucking months ago. Yeah, but so put down your Season 2 box set and join us now. <laughs> we are here to talk about Season 1, episode by episode. It's, it's going to be ages before Season 2 comes out and we wanted to kind of finish running through all the various television shows uh, that Star Trek has had. We just did Enterprise last month, so we thought this would be a nice way to finish off. Uh, but before we get into our episode by episode breakdown of Season 1, Sean, uh, last time right. you came on the show you told us all about your kind of burgeoning stand-up career mm-hmm. uh, stuff like that very interesting but completely failed to mention that you've got a podcast of your own <laughs> uh, we were on the bus home afterwards I remember and you just happened to bring it up you're like oh I've got a podcast, but I don't really like it. I think, it's, I think it's rubbish. And I was just like, oh, poor Sean. Next day, like, Chortle Award nominated. I was like, that self-deprecating cunt. What the fuck is going on? Tell us about your podcast, Sean. I have, well, I have slash had a podcast. I don't know how long this one will keep going. We cancel again after. So you're like, right, we've got the nomination. That's yeah. it. Well, like, it's really weird. It's called, it was called Heal Your Wounds with Sean McLaughlin. And I did it, and I hosted it, and I had a co-host called Elliot, who was also the producer. And it would be us talking, and then we occasionally had like guests, other comedians would come on, and things like that. And it was kind of, um, you know, we'd edit down so it was interesting or funny, and it was good. But it was, I mean, what can I say? It was a podcast basically about a man who didn't want to have a podcast <laughs> and so that was it and then I'd sort of made the decision to stop it because listener numbers were dwindling and it was taking up a lot of time um, and then we got nominated for that award which is ridiculous because like no listen like, people didn't listen to it like, <laughs> the, only people, the only people who listened to it seems to be people who were on the panel for this <laughs> I don't know how you've only like, five listeners I don't know you've got the right listeners there. Yeah. yeah and so like in the build up the episodes before that I, I talked a lot on the show like oh, I just find it really stressful I don't like putting myself out there so, and then we got nominated and so it became this big joke that like well we have to keep doing it now we have to keep doing it so um, yeah it's called Heal Your Wounds with Sean McLaughlin we've done 25 episodes we're probably going to do a few more at least um I mean, I don't like the. What do you want me to say? I don't like the show, but um, <laughs> but other people seem to really like well, it. That's what, what, USP, though, isn't it? Like, yeah, yeah. I hate yeah, the show. So that's the reason why it will continue forever. Yeah, you are yeah. trapped in that now. But yeah. what, what kind of stuff did you cover in, uh, in every episode? Um, well, we sort of the ambitions of the first few episodes were so great, 
and then it decreased. <laughs> so when I, I talk to comedians and then we sort of talk to other people. So like I'd interview people who weren't comedians. Um, or you had a girl from a dating blog there was and like, stuff like that. There was like a yeah. dating expert was on one. We had someone who worked for an MP talk about politics. I mean, yeah. it was, they, and they were great. And all the guests we had were great, but they were all, I mean, it was so much, it added so much work to it. Finding yeah. these people, it's hard enough to wrangle comedians, mm-hmm. let alone you know, people with actual lives. Yeah, scheduling <laughs> as a nightmare. Plus, you, you've probably got more people in just so that you had to do less talking on it. Yeah, 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 well, that was it. It was. It's like, if I'm going to suffer, we're all suffering. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, I, I sort of, yeah, and then eventually it got too much work. And then by the end, it was just me and Elliot. Just, it was just, we didn't even have comedians on. We'll, we'll just do it ourselves. But it well, was, the last couple of episodes has just been you guys talking about the fact that you've been nominated for all well, Yeah, that's it. Is that an hour yet? Yeah, we did. We did a trilogy. Because we, we did the last episode in... Well, it was meant to be the last episode in January. And then we got nominated in February. And then we've done a trilogy of awards episodes. Yeah. So there was us the day after we'd been nominated. Uh... There was us just before the awards, and then we did an awards episode where we recorded clips of us at the awards. <laughs> I mean, it was the stupidest <laughs> thing. It was so stupid. Um, uh, they, uh, we, I we, should say, listeners, they didn't win. No, we didn't. <laughs> Spoiler alert, we were beaten by a much but, more successful podcast. But, but you we, lost out to Richard Herring, which that is not too bad. That is not too bad. Well, Richard Herring has more people watching the recordings of his podcast than people <laughs> listen to us. <laughs> so, of course. Um, but no, I mean, I, I do think there's some really good stuff in there. Um, to, do listen. I mean, we, we, look, I do think the show was good and people did like it. Um, and I think even if we don't end up doing that one, me and Elliot are, are talking about doing another one. Um, well, we're finding something to do because he's brilliant. I think Elliot is the real star of the show. It should so be a like. show where every episode is you attempting for that to be the finale. Like every episode <laughs> is just the last episode. Yeah, it's not. That's what I want to do. I, I mean, I've been listening to quite a lot of it, mate, and I do think it is genuinely really good. So I, I, there you go. That's a recommendation for our listeners. Heal your wounds. Yeah. I would definitely go and track it down. I think mean, it's similar to Discovery in a way, a show in search of a way to finish it. <laughs> <laughs> also. Alongside that, you also failed to mention that you're basically regular co-host of Ricky Gervais's new radio show slash podcast slash online thing yeah. that he does. Like, uh, you also completely failed to mention this as well. well like, lot- I'm doing your work for you. Man. <laughs> <laughs> like- <laughs> well, I was yeah, I was here because I was on one of my favourite podcasts. Oh, well, there you go. And, yeah. and what you didn't want to reveal on the podcast was that being on Ricky Chavez's show inferior to being on Spotlight. Uh, I mean, I'm not. <laughs> I'm not going to make that sort of claim. Uh, they're both fabulous shows. Um, uh, yeah, I, I'm on Ricky Gervais's Deadly Serious a lot. I think I've probably been on it more than anyone else. Uh, yeah. Well, someone tweeted recently saying I'm on it more than Ricky, which <laughs> tainted with a bit of abuse. No, I'm on that, and that's great. And I, d- I don't know how people listen to it in the UK. I think they're all on YouTube. It's through audio books. It's yeah, like yeah. basically you can buy the audio books from iTunes yeah. for like a small amount of cash yeah but uh, if you're in North America they're on Sirius XM which is the digital kind of radio right. service and they're, they're great I mean you get some great guests mm-hmm. in there um, and I you know I tend to sort of just sit back and I'll say a few things and uh, so it's, yeah. d- it's done over here but it's for an American radio yeah it's done in London mm-hmm. um, and yeah we just did a big batch of four in a row with like Bill Bailey Catherine Ryan Sarah Pascoe um, yeah it's a great it's a great show and I'm very glad to be in it the episodes you're on are really good mate 
Um, the one with uh, Simon Amstel and the one James I Acaster yeah. that you did were really, really funny. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, today we're here to talk about Star Trek Discovery. There's going to be no talk, Sean, about the fact that we can't say anything anymore in today's society. <laughs> That's not what we're going to be talking about. We're going to talk about Star Trek Discovery, so don't be disappointed. I know, I know what you're used to. <laughs> but we, as I said, we've already done an episode where we talked about the first two, the kind of double length pilot. Uh, now, obviously, since then, I'm sure opinions may have changed slightly. But first, I'm going to turn to you, Sean, because you haven't told us what you thought of the Vulcan Hello and Battle at the Binary Stars. What were your thoughts? Are, th- are those the kind of two-part pilot? The two-part mm-hmm. pilot, so all set day. on the Shenzo. I think they are... It's it's weird, because I, I guess at the time I remember watching them and finding them uh, good but odd... Yeah. Because it mm. felt, I mean, everything was so new, and you, you're never going to feel that comfortable with something like Star Trek. It's always loaded, you know. Yeah. You make a new version of something that's this loaded. Um, I do think they're probably, in hindsight, the weakest two episodes of the whole series. I think they're very odd, sort of tonally, even compared to the rest of the series, which is odd tonally mm. at times. But uh, I guess it did as good a job as it could. I mean, I, it sort of depends. What you, it, it, it opened with the Klingons chatting. Is that right? Yeah, and that's the opening. Yeah, yeah. And then you're just there going. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and you go. What? <laughs> what are the what is happening I was there going what is happening I mean I know Star Trek and I'm going what is yeah. this <laughs> this has gone full in depth lore here like, yeah, 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 subtitles yeah, yeah. It, it does everything. feel like a fan film like you know like what we've never seen before in the show yeah, yeah, is yeah, seeing yeah. this you know, Klingons Klingon basically go to ba- you know, on dates we've never <laughs> seen them go on dates before. Like, we're going to do a whole six part web series about that like yeah that is very true it's literally like the nerdiest opening they could imagine Considering this, presumably, is to design to bring new fans to the franchise, <laughs> one would yeah. assume. Or to snare in the fans that have become fans of the new films. Yeah, 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 yeah. Not yeah, yeah. This so to open there. that yeah. with the... I mean, that's going to put a whole same people off immediately. I think, it, you know, there is definitely trying to capture the, the you know, the Abrams verse... Uh, demographic because there is the, the lens flares carry over I think the look of them the show mm. definitely kind of mirrors that you know the, the, that universe mm. the on a design yeah. level yeah, yeah, it's it's visually, it feels like it's in that yeah, yeah it yeah. feels very much more in line with that than anything that's gone before visually yes but I actually think tonally and kind of like you know character wise dialogue I think it's it's nothing like that oh Jack no, Jack no, Jack no, Jack no Jack absolutely yeah, yeah, yeah. it looks like it's yeah look yes yeah, they, definitely. they forgot to have fun like <laughs> Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, certainly in those first two, as you say, Sean, I think I literally just rewatched the entire series um, recently. It's a very different experience, kind of binge watching it mm. than it is watching it week to week. And those first two, they do stand out even from the rest of the show. Yeah, yeah. It do, and in a way, I watch them and go, this is really mm. brave because it's almost like a two part prequel to the rest of the series. It's like a completely different show. Like, this is what the Shenzhou show would have been like. Yeah, rather yeah, than yeah. The Discovery Got show. After two and yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. but I almost feel like. Well, pure cage of it. Yeah. yeah do you yeah. remember. Um, well, yeah, the cage very much, which is an interesting comparison. Yeah. And maybe there's. With so- Giorgio as the pike. Yeah, and yeah. well, I suppose Michael would be the Spock. 
yeah. because obviously All she's carrying out. So uh, maybe there's obviously a... Obviously having bookend. There's a deliberate attempt yeah. to <laughs> emulate there. But I mean, it almost reminded me of... Do you remember the Battlestar Galactica remake that they did? Yes. Like, yes. you know, mm. obviously they started that with a separate miniseries before they actually started the series mm, proper. Yeah. I almost yeah. felt like maybe they should have separated this into like a TV movie like before yeah. and then started to I, start I, very... That's pro- really good in comparison because you, I think Battlestar, you know, episode three is the show, isn't it? it that's where yeah. you begin yeah, it yeah, is yeah. on the run that is what the premise is you know the first two are yeah. sort of all set up yeah completely yeah. it's funny I have very vivid memories of before kind of internet and social media and ways of tracking everything really took off I remember buying going into an H&B and buying season one of Battlestar Season one, episode one, play, and it says previously on Battlestar Galactica. I was like, "What?" I, was, <laughs> I had it, to go back to town yeah, the next yeah. day and get the movie. It was me who, <laughs> like, yeah. I, I remember we talked about it. And you were like, "Yeah, no, it's like previously what's going on." And I said, "Oh, there's a mini series before that. Like, I've heard about this." And you were like, "What?" Like, <laughs> as many you know, uh, you know, purchases of Twin Peaks, like complete season one, will uh, attest. Like, you know, it's not always what you pay for. <laughs> uh, yeah, um, I think I, I while. What do I like about the prequel? I do think not the prequel, the first two episodes. I think they, I think they do okay. I think they're. I remember. Think, I think they're fine. The problem is they set up the characters of the predominantly the Klingons, Michael Burnham and Giorgio, who I would say probably on balance are the weakest characters. Like I, I think the real gold. And the thing that I really liked about this series, I do think the characters are really good for the most part, or at least have potential. And most of them aren't there in the first two episodes. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's it's just it's very rushed and very. Uh, it just it just it feels like they're they're throwing so much at you straight off the bat, mm. and you want you kind of just want to grow into. It's like they Especially- wanted to do the big kind of mutiny thing, which isn't really seen in Trek, and do yeah. it right up front, but then yeah. have to deal with the consequences of that, which is a lot of people are dead. And Burnham's in prison. <laughs> yeah, and you were yeah. like, you were worth saying to yourself, like, like who on this bridge crew are we meant to be kind of like getting to know? Because we haven't spent any time with anybody, yes. and it's because you never see them again for the most part. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, it, it makes sense in retrospect now. You know, that was one of my complaints was, oh, I don't know these people, but you weren't really meant to know them. No, because no. uh, they're designed to basically be cannon fodder, apart from Saru, obviously, who yeah. we do also and meet the in the lady, first one, um, who gets her eye, you know, half her face blown off. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I can't remember her name. I mean, because she's kind of, you know. A reasonably small role, but she's significant for the fact that obviously she is brutally injured within the. Uh, is that a Detmer? Uh, hey, Kayla Detmer. I did. She the one. Yeah, yeah. It, yeah because obviously she's on the Shenzhou at the beginning, and then mm. when Michael first turns up, discovering uh-huh. Caesar, mm, yeah. like she's been wounded. Um, I, I think it's interesting how Michael, who is by all, you know the protagonist of the show, yeah. is immediately. I mean, immediately put in a position where the character will piss off every Star Trek fan by going against orders, going, oh, yes. I'm just going to attack the Klingons. <laughs> like that. And so the whole build up of her arc, it kind of puts her at odds with the yeah. folklore of the show. It's like one big metaphor for old fans being the crew and then who they, who they think is as like the new torchbearers of the Trek franchise coming in and being like no we're going to do this yeah yeah <laughs> well yeah, um, yeah I mean we've mentioned this a few times on the show but um, for people who haven't heard before it's funny you should say that because of course we played um, a Star Trek role playing game on another podcast mm. uh, we did a crossover with pretending uh, with Dice uh, Adam Johnson's podcast and on that I played the captain. Uh, no, not the captain. I played the first officer. Didn't you I? Yeah, I wanted to be the captain. I played the first officer, 
and I launched a mutiny in it because obviously you're kind of improving. I launched a mutiny in it because I thought, oh, this would be funny because this would never happen on a Star Trek show. We recorded yeah, yeah, it before yeah. we'd seen Discovery, and then literally days later, I swear, we watched yeah. Discovery. Well, what the fuck? And the reason I did that was because I thought, oh, well, this is something that goes really against. This would never happen yeah, on a Star yeah, Trek. Yeah. And like you say, I could just imagine the fans being like, what? Yeah, like, yeah. yeah. And, and, and I didn't like it then, and I didn't like it in Discovery either. <laughs> well, it is, it's a, it's sort of they're kind of onto a loser there. I mean. I got why they did it in terms of the series but like the people who are really into Star Trek are watching and going what the hell is this yeah. and the There's people who, who are first in <laughs> who, are, who are trying to come into it fresh or they don't, they don't know that they're like oh okay so it's just another it's just a thing that's happening but they don't, they're not going to understand the mm. stakes of it mm. um, or how odd it is but yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Well, it's interesting though because isn't it we can't we've seen enough Star Trek we, we're bringing those the Star Trek sort of viewpoint actually yeah. to it, aren't we? It's like it's well now, yeah, yeah. Because yeah, you even then you'd seen enough of the original show to go, this was very yeah. Much different. Well, it'd been strange if I hadn't if we hadn't done this podcast and I just started watching Discovery without yeah. having seen anything. Oh, that, well, you'd seen the movies up until yeah. that point. So you at that point you hadn't even watched the original series well, yeah, at yeah. all. Like uh, when you first started, yeah, watching so I kinda, it. it was kind of my first. Um, TV. And yeah, I mean, like I said, I. I do actually like those episodes. I kind of like the ballsiness of what they're doing mm. in a lot of ways, and I appreciate it, but I just feel like, yeah, there's just some odd choices there. And certainly to bring in new fans, I feel a lot of people could find those episodes very jarring and kind of put them off. And like you say, I think Tony is different. Like the way the characters interact and the dialogue seems very disconnected mm. and almost uh, kind of reminiscent, I think, of kind of the early days of something like TNG, mm. where they're all a bit robotic and kind of like, you know, but they're saying rather odd dialogue that doesn't yeah, sound yeah, right yeah. coming out of human mouths. Yeah, yeah. And you almost feel like once you actually get to Discovery, even though they're not JJ-like in their broadness, but the characters are suddenly a lot more relatable, yeah. well, at least. Um but yeah, I mean, have we got anything else to say about those first two well, I, before we move on? I wonder what the decision-making process was, because you can imagine a show that kind of started on episode three, or at least with the Discovery, Lorca, and everything. Yeah. And then those first two episodes were like a two-part flashback in the middle of the season or something. So I wonder yeah, how... Like the Menagerie, yeah. Yeah, yeah. like how, how that would recontextualise a lot of what we know of the characters or, or where mm. we're going for, or the pace of the season. And you could, you could have done that. You could have done I'm glad they didn't, actually. Yeah. Uh, because I, I really don't like those mid-season kind of, like, look-backs. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, 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 always yeah. one of my pet hates of season ones. You know, that you yeah. get to season, episode six or seven, and it's like a one-off looking back before the show started. Yeah. Ah. Oh. Yeah. Uh, and yeah. I mean, you know what? I think the, the fact is is I think in retrospect, once you've done the whole season, you realise that those first two were really important in terms of so much character work and stuff like that to kind of make the ending kind of work. And, you know, I, and also establishing very much that relationship between Michael and uh, Giorgio, uh, Michelle Yeoh as uh, captain of the Shenzhou. Um, and I can't think without them, and Saru as well, and I think without them it doesn't, it doesn't quite play. It's just a bit of an odd start. Yeah. I th well, I think it's, it's totally built around the plot. I think it's... The, the plot the decisions were made to push the plot forward kind of regardless of the characters and I I still question whether the characters would have made those decisions <laughs> if they hadn't said well we need to have a Klingon war is the big thing so we need to figure out a way to do that 
Um, well, uh, I don't know. Maybe I'm I'm not remembering certain bits. Just just quickly, because this is something that did bother me slightly when watching it. Obviously, Michael is blamed here completely for the Klingon war. Mm-hmm. Watching it again, I thought this the first time, but watching it again, I was like, no, definitely. I don't think she really does anything <laughs> apart from <laughs> apart from the actual attempting to do the mutiny. Mm-hmm. It, it, what actually happens is she never actually fires on the ship or anything like that because Giorgio wakes up and comes back out and stops her before anything actually happens. She just comes out and goes, "Right, we're doing this." And she did attempt a mutiny, but it didn't work. She's instantly stopped and kind of put in the brig. But then she's blamed for what happened. Mm. And uh, I, I think say, it's because she kills the... Because she kills Tokuma. Yeah. Right, okay. Well, no, isn't it like she kills the person on top... You know, when she's in the... Um, she fights the, the Klingon, doesn't she? She takes the first blood. Of- yeah, it is. It's, it's Tukuvma she kills. Oh, is it yeah, yeah, yeah. It's because Tukuvma... It's a long time ago. <laughs> Tukuvma kills... Um, Michelle Yeoh. No, I meant in, she... in the EVA a suit, like in the space suit. Oh yes, actually, yeah, but that's not the why. That's not why everyone hates her because that was a complete innocent mistake. In terms of literally, she doesn't do it even deliberately. The reason she's blamed for the war is the mutiny because they all call her again. the mutineer and everything like that. Which and has no impact. Yeah, you start, and it's like that has no impact, and she literally mutinied for about five minutes. <laughs> like, yeah, if anything. Well, that's what I. I mean, I would argue that it was because the plot just they were like we. Have have to get this plot out we, it doesn't matter she has it to does, be the mutant she has to be blamed yeah that's how we're gonna yeah. just say she's yeah. blamed yeah you know. and she is blamed and she is thrown in space jail or so we think because <laughs> we then move on to the third episode context is for kings which we haven't talked about before and many would probably describe as the first proper episode of star trek discovery um as a show so this is all new to us in terms of our thoughts behind it what did we think of the first episode actually set on the discovery who wants to go first anyone um i i, I like the beginning the, the sort, of, sort of pre-titles is very exciting like get you know get her kind of jailbreak i mean when they thought that she was uh you know extracted from the shuttle that kind of thing was yeah, yeah and the but, pilot gets like sucked out don't yeah, they? yeah, yeah. <laughs> he's flying past the window I, I almost thought it's like you know it's like one of those kind of simulations so like you know where um they sort of like simulate like a, a disaster so that people see how people react in that situation it's like this is everything's gone to shit here it's like the all is lost of this shuttlecraft mm-hmm. yeah, 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 yeah. Um, but yeah I think the what really struck me at this show particularly once we go on to the Glen which is the sister ship of Discovery which they which is doing the simultaneous kind of uh, experiments, isn't it? And things have gone dra- really wrong on there. Is the horror yeah. aspect? Yeah, and, and that blew me away that they were showing this amount of like blood and mm. uh, you know and horror on Star Trek, which is a new yeah. thing to We've me. Got some f bombs to come later on as well. Yeah, yeah. that's it. And I also thought, yeah, that, you know, I knew the the pilot was dark, but I didn't expect it to carry on into the show. I thought that was going to be like, oh, we're going to go a bit bit edgy mm. for the first two, get people in, and then we're kind of yeah, just revert yeah, yeah. back. But I was like, no, that's really upping the stakes. Yeah, yeah. upping the ante. Yeah, completely. I mean. Because straight away we're introduced to Gabriel Lorca, who is the captain, played by Jason Isaacs. Mm. Um, And straight away, within the first episode, you kind of think, oh, shit, he's potentially the villain of the show. You were once a Starfleet officer. I would use you or anything else I can to achieve my mission. And what mission is that, sir? To win the war, of course. Send everyone home. Safe and happy. Dismissed. 
because already by the end of the first episode he's in he's acting like he could become some kind of war criminal or something like that because he's already willing to play dirty because obviously as you say the central thing in this episode is they go on to the other ship the Glen and the whole crew have been wiped out there's dead Klingons in there as well and there's a sort of monster in there. And that is all really effective. It shows Michael being very heroic. Yes. Um, in that sequence. And it's, it's all very uh, effective. But then they end up bringing this kind of monster about the tardigrade. And Lorca has kept the monster and like secretly mm. does and he put it in like his like little horror chambers yeah yeah horror. kind yeah, of thing yeah yeah, yeah. and uh, you were like oh shit what's he planning to do well, with that I, yeah. was, I was really expecting a Starship Troopers crossover at this yeah. point yeah yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, he's got the brain bug sir I mean this introduces <laughs> yeah. a load of characters Lorca Paul Stamets played by Anthony Rapp mm-hmm. yeah. um, also got obviously Saru's back uh, who else is new in this one uh, the Doctor no, he's Cold? he's not until the next one. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. Is, T- is Tilly in this one for the first? Tilly, time? yeah, that's yeah, it. Yeah. Tilly. Um, so I mean, loads of new characters. And I've got to say straight away, just find all the characters on Discovery so much more relatable than the characters we met on the Shenzhou. Apart yeah. from Saru, who played by Doug Jones, I think is brilliant. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I think yeah, Sar- Saru from The Office is fantastic, um, and his suspicion of Michael and the kind of growth of. And, and his sort of growth in confidence over the series, I think, is great. Yeah. Um, I liked how Michael was really famous uh, in, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. in this. Like, oh, you're the mutineer. Like, that's pretty... I, I, that's, a, that's a nice touch, I think. Um, this is definitely the show... It's sort of in its rhythm yeah. now. This is like the rhythm of, of the show. Um, and I like the uh, relationship between Michael and Tilly that gets set up early on because they're very yeah. kind of chalk and cheese and, and Tilly's easy, like you say, one of the most relatable characters around because she's playing it like a person with a job on a ship, not just like yeah. I'm part of the furniture. She's, yeah, yeah. she's very unsure of herself and, and, and green and stuff. So, yeah, it's great to see her kind of jump right in and be faced with the famous mutineer. Well, I think it's nice to be actually below decks for the first time in Star Trek, where you actually kind of go into the bridge into the captain's office is kind of a, a big deal. You know, I feel like that never had that with Picard or anything like that because, of course, he's yeah. the lead of the show. So yeah. having it, you know, you sort of seeing her have to kind of climb the ladder back up and actually do some like Starfleet work. Yeah, you know, yeah. do her time. You know, in the in the sort of scrubbing ladders. the decks. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah I thought it was great. You know, I think you know, genuinely, you know, I'd be scared about getting to work on time. You know, making sure my space alarm went off. <laughs> yeah. Well, we need the show that just looks at someone whose job is just to clean the toilets. Yeah, <laughs> they're well, the main character. They did that in Star Wars. They? With, with Finn, you know. Like, uh, yeah, oh, yeah, of course, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And uh, Lorca's got a tribble on his desk, obviously. Nice little kind of nod to the fans there. Not quite sure why he's got a tribble. Pet tribble. He's doing experiments on it. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, and also some fortune cookies as well. Mm. Like, uh, very very sinister man with his fortune cookies. That whole scene when he's like, oh, I prefer the light low and stuff like that. it's, It's very cool. Until you realise that's what um, who's the Picard clone who did exactly the same thing in Nemesis? Oh yeah, like, yeah. <laughs> oh, was yeah, 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 it's like Tom Hardy. I like, like oh, my God, is, is this a Riemann? Like, yeah. uh, is it just like whenever Skinner has his Vietnam flashbacks in the, <laughs> <laughs> he's like, with the shades and the like, it's like mm, yeah. forgot about me over there. I mean, I for me, I, I absolutely love Isaac's like in yeah. in this role. I think 
he's just immediately as soon as you meet him you go right okay this is like no other captain we've ever yeah, had he would batter Picard yeah oh complete well everyone would batter Picard <laughs> let's face it he right, seems yeah. like, a, like Edward Jellicoe I don't know if you know that is he yeah. was in a two parter in uh, Next Generation like just a total hard ass yeah doesn't yeah, yeah, give yeah. a shit I, I, and I do like that's yeah. one of the things that's recontextualised by, by knowing where he's come from later on um, you know that he's bringing along from his mirror universe like his like real hard ass like stance you know that you probably have people executed but he's having to hold it back the whole time yeah, yeah, yeah. he's like blow out the other I mean uh, you know uh, <laughs> yeah. go find the corners I mean obviously we'll, we'll talk about this later but one thing I really appreciated watching it back is just how many little seeds are sewn in of the revelation that will come later. So other than the light and, you know, that kind of thing, what what else? There's loads of little moments where little, just little nods where he mentions something about the parallel universes and going, like, you know, going... There's even a bit... There's a bit in another episode where they're about to go to the mirror universe and obviously mm. in reality he knows that yeah. they're going to the mirror universe because that's his plan all along yeah. but he's got to pretend he doesn't know where they've gone and he actually says let's go home yeah. and then they go to the mirror universe oh that's nice and so obviously you're like oh okay yeah, like, yeah it's like yeah so there's lots of nice little nods as you go Shame. along my home um, have we got anything else to say about contests for kings oh, to put oh, it in context yeah. No, have you? Uh, no, I mean we. I think we continue some Klingon stuff in this episode, don't we? Or do we miss them out for an episode? Um, I think we do. I think well, they I think come. We do. Yeah. I think we come back to them next time because I think get, yeah, you get some corpses. So. I, I think for a second we thought, oh, thank God, the Klingon stuff was just for the first two episodes. Yes. <laughs> How oh, naive. No. Yeah. We we were wrong. We were dead wrong. Oh, one thing I didn't want to mention: the spore drive. This is the first appearance of the Spore Drive. What do we think about that? Because for me, I thought it, you know, it was kind of a, a visually interesting mm. idea. Mm. All looked quite nice, but I thought this was quite weird, kind of like yeah. heading towards kind of Nexus kind of style. It, I thought it was like a strange thing for them to latch onto so early that would become like the driving force for a lot of the series plotline because it felt like a technological jump. That would have felt better if the show was set after everything, yeah. rather than in the past. If I'm yeah. like, oh, they've, it's because then you watch yeah. original series and you're like, they've had sport tech out there somewhere. Well, there's the time lots of that, isn't there? Yeah. It I'm, totally undermines all of Voyager. Like, I mean, presumably we're gonna. I mean, we've already seen throughout the season that the spore drive is difficult to mm. use mm. presumably we're going to get to a yeah. point of discovery where they explain why no one has used the spore well, drive yeah, I, I imagine so I can't remember before. by the end is it they can't do it anymore or is it open no no, it, they, can grow more stuff because the, the tartar grief dies but then they do yeah, it through stamets, don't they? They, they, they can do it again but they're saying oh we'll have to find another way it's sort of been kind of mm. almost like yeah we can't be doing well, this it, anymore it's the Razor Lost Ark ending they've just taken that tech put it in a fucking box and like hidden it in a warehouse like uh, yeah completely I think it's just it's too dangerous isn't it and like too much wear on one person exactly I mean next thing you know an almanac being stolen you know Biff Tannen married your mum (laughs) (laughs) it's it's mass hysteria but I gotta say I mean the effects across the board in Discovery are pretty astonishing and when they do the spin it it does look amazing particularly in was it in the later episode well it's how they go back when they're attacking the Klingon ship and you see it jumping oh yeah it was like 132 oh, jumps. Yeah, that, yeah, that yeah, looks yeah, very yeah. good. Oh, 
Yeah, right. I, I, I just to go agree totally with everything you say about I hate the kind of you know going too far ahead for the technology yeah. in a prequel that annoys me. It's always yeah, it's that thing of just the decision to set it where it is still seems odd. I, I yeah, that's a big thing I wanted to talk about. I guess we'll talk about it afterwards. Mm. It's about how this fits into Star Trek and what they do. They care about yeah. where it fits in or do they not? My initial thought when they jumped right at the end. That they'd I mean, gone to the future. I thought uh, they'd gone further in ahead. Right. And, I thought this, and I thought if they'd have done that, wow, it's like, oh, they've had, yeah. they've had the balls that is really good. to move but, forward. And yeah. If the yeah. whole marketing of the show was that like, it's a prequel, it's a prequel, and it's a prequel for like three episodes, and then boom, they're like further ahead than anything, and well, then they, they can carry on. Well, yeah. just season one is like, yeah, yeah. they're there. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> they actually come across, instead of who they do come across, come across the Enterprise with Picard just after Nemesis. <laughs> as we've worked as we've worked out yeah. that is actually chronologically the yeah. last kind yeah. of those kind of era. And they but, win yeah. because they've got a seat belt in there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Uh right, episode four. The butcher's knife cares not for the lamb's cry. Sir quite a long they title. Really mm. loved, they really loved, they really laid on the long titles of the episodes in this. They really Yeah, like Leffy. <laughs> <laughs> All right. <laughs> uh, no, so, it's got a very original series. You're very TLS. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. This episode, for people who can't remember, because I didn't remember until I watched it, is kind of not a huge amount going on in this. Saru is kind of... Um, I think captaining the ship in this episode, isn't he? Or isn't that the next one? I think that's the next one, isn't it? Once because Lorca's once Lorca's kidnapped. Yeah. yeah. So I mean, uh, uh, here we go. We've got a plot description, so I'm just going to read a bit of this out to remind everyone. Lorca assigns Burnham to study the creature from the Glen, dubbed a Tardigrade, to find a way to use its biology as a weapon. Starfleet orders discovery to the Dilithium mining colony Corvan Two, which is under Klingon attack. So this is where they have to save Corvan Two. Yeah. Um, that's basically what happens in the episode. Mm-hmm. Not a huge amount but else. I do think that the whole discovery aspect of like you know working with the animal and and that kind of thing and the balance of the ethics was probably the most Star Trek the show. Is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you know, and that's that was kind of like nice because again it's, it sort of hit its rhythm. You're kind of going from episode to episode. Um, you know, at, it's not all just ex- explosions and like you know battles and people mm. you know mutinying. It's uh, it, it really felt like I was getting at home with it a little bit on this episode so yeah. whilst you feel like nothing happened it kind of needed to put the brakes on a bit um, yeah I mean I do agree in terms of I, I, I completely agree that the the storyline with the tardigrade and Michael very much being like look we can't do this to this creature is really important very Starfleet like I think the issue is is you know as I got confused there this story kind of gets split between this episode and the next one like in the sense of I remember this episode ends with Michael looking at the tardigrade and it's kind of in pain and stuff she feels really sorry for it and then the next one obviously Saru's having to captain the ship and he's kind of losing it a bit uh, the power going to his head or he's stressed out that he's got this role mm-hmm. and kind of really pushing her to kind of like abuse the tardigrade great so that story's kind of split over two episodes and meanwhile we are back to lots of Klingon bullshit that's, that's, that's one thing with this episode they, they framed it all like they could have done that they could have got us used to it had us get used to this idea of the new technology without having it oh we have to protect them from Klingons mm. like it's always yeah, the Klingons yeah, 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 yeah. that they're putting back always in there they could have found out the a new way of doing it and 
Um, yeah, and now the Klingons have gone full like Game of Thrones of all these different yes, houses yeah, 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 power. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. it feels like a weird it seems, it feels like a massive thing to have confined to these subplots which do just kind of pop up now and then, but it feels like it's its own show of these mm. political machinations of Klingons, mm. uh, war, you know, war. Yeah, the Klingons spin off, which no one wants, like, because uh, Cole turns up, who's going to be kind of the Klingon antagonist for this kind of first half, um, and takes over to Kovma's ship and leaves poor Vok, uh, the kind of albino Klingon, uh, to die in the wreckage of the Shenzhou. Um, and yeah, all this stuff. Oh, I was just oh, come on. It's because there's like, no real yeah. one person within this group to latch onto. Yeah, you don't care about any of those people. Like the outsider, no, yeah. because it's like there's you, no one that you're like, I'm on side with this one or that one or what yeah. they're going for. Well, the Al Baghdadi's just been killed already, hasn't he? Mm. Like that's the thing, you know. Yeah, 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 yeah. So it's just like then he's down to the next level. Then he's dead as well. Yeah, it's kind yeah, of like yeah. you were free down the kind of people you would. Have... <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, and the only <laughs> re- yeah. the only reason you even slightly cared about Vok was just because. He's, he's kind of bullied by the other Klingons, yeah, isn't he? Yeah. So you kind of want to see him win out a bit. Yeah, and, and, like, and he doesn't. It's the thing he doesn't even he doesn't like. Uh, well, well, we 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 shall see. Well, but I won't think this is also with the colony people of Corvantu. I did like the cutaways to them in the basement, like you know, sort of with the things falling on their heads and just sort of. Like this going, is what generations lacks. Well, yeah, not showing what, the people. Also, it's what the rest of Discovery lacks because you have massive like you know losses against the Klingons, which are never shown at all. Really, you yeah. just told, oh, there was. 30,000 people on that space station. Yeah. Ah! You know, and you just, wanted to see every single one of them die. <laughs> well, I just feel like it needed to be like a little bit more of kind of like, you know, just just to put it in context. You You're know. thinking of like the Force Awakens thing, isn't yeah, it? It's in Force Awakens where you, you see like, the planet get destroyed. Of, yeah. of the planet, you know, and you kind of, that really hits home. Yeah. Know? No, 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 very true. But yeah, so I kind of feel... Well, even like a message for them, just say, you know, like their last message, you know, when it gets cut off, like, mm. you know, that's kind of just thing. Just yes. humanity. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 It's too late. Okay. And so you don't get that into but Corvan too when they're saved that's quite nice but. so I kind of think the overload of Klingon subplot and the splitting of like the Tartagrace stuff from this episode to the next episode kind of diminished it slightly although we do get a death in this which is quite nice Commander Landry is killed one of the many kind of characters who gets killed early on then can they can bring them back later on yeah. in the mirror universe uh that's quite nice when she gets uh killed <laughs> that's quite nice it was enjoyable <laughs> lovely, seeing her ripped apart well she's the only person who basically her mirror universe person is pretty much identical to her yeah yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Really like chummy in both yeah. And... yeah well you she, kind of get well maybe she wasn't until there. she met like evil Lorca and just go hey you're bringing me out myself like <laughs> <laughs> could believe I'd be <laughs> can I be that way in this universe yeah. uh, you kind of get a feeling maybe they were shagging like Lorca and her do you not think maybe no, I got the impression that Lorca was shagging Lorca he, yeah because the thing <laughs> he is, was Lorca, the stud of that he, 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 shag, he, he shagged the Admiral doesn't he yeah, later on yeah. at one point or is that that's not in this one is it uh, no, that's, I don't think it's this. That's later on. Yeah, yeah. I think Shag- we'd have to dedicate a whole episode to who Lorca's. <laughs> yeah, Admiral. Shag- apparently, Shag Michael, the other universe, like, and maybe Ladry. I've got suspicions at Ladry as well. Maybe I reckon what- he had a go at Saru. He's got two choices. Saru's like kills. I mean, he's got two attempts, doesn't he? Being having a foot in each universe. It's like someone who didn't quite manage to crack a one. He's like, well, this is basically the Bill Murray approach. Like, keep trying different. 
different different versions until you get. Uh, but we do get the emotional final message from uh, Giorgio uh, in this episode. Uh, Michelle Yeoh kind of leaves. Uh, it's a telescope, isn't it? Mm. To it should have been Michael. on the holodeck uh, in the Windows ninety five background. <laughs> For those who remember Skin of Evil, um, I mean, because the thing about as you mentioned about the tardigrade and Michael kind of come out, I think it really it really draws you to Michael. Uh, this episode because you feel that she really does blame herself for what happened on the Shenzhou and she's really trying to change become much more sensitive and now you feel she's coming from the the place of every life matters yeah and I've got to make sure that I kind of you know save these people save the tardigrade save everyone and yeah I think that's really interesting to see her character change in that way Mm -hmm. from the far more kind of straight edge logical Mm -hmm. do whatever it takes version that we meet in the first two episodes I like that uh, development definitely and also first appearance of Wilson Cruz as Dr. Hugh Uh Holder Uh, in this episode as well who I think is instantly yeah. like very likeable so they're slowly building up the main call up yeah I mean this is an interesting thing isn't it we're kind of it's through the last episode this one and the next one you're kind of slowly gathering who's going to be your crew yeah, yeah, they're yeah. not all introduced straight away and it is this weird thing of after watching all these shows where you get the pilot and it's just a load of characters straight away you basically have to do the first half of this season to gather Mm. all the characters together but it's weird that it also shows up just how odd the first two episodes are where they're giving you as much information as like Encounter at Farpoint will give you Yeah, but it's all crap and they're all half of them are dead you're never going to find out about them again (laughs) you know they could have done it differently well it's time Choose your bank. <laughs> Episode five. Uh, it's just, it's just pay it forward, isn't it? Like, just, <laughs> just, um, I think. I kind of think this is the best episode of the lot so far oh, like, yeah, as in when you get to this one of the first five this yeah. is the, is this the first episode with Harry Mudd in it it's yeah. the first episode with Rain Wilson portraying yes. Harry Mudd far better than the guy who plays him <laughs> in the original series I would have liked to have seen the original guy in this situation <laughs> <laughs> that would have been quite funny I mean he's it's, it's slightly odd because having watched the first Mudd episode of the original series he is basically a completely different character apart yeah. from being like a con man and kind of thing he's you know, in yeah. the original series, this kind of odd Irish stereotype, and now <laughs> Tinker, is yeah. it's kind of odd considering this is set before. I'm like, oh, what point did you become Irish, yeah. mate? Like, yeah, what's yeah. going? But Rain Wilson, I love as an actor. I mean, Dwight in the American Office, fantastic, and he's he's great here straight away. Yeah, yeah. And we also get introduced to Ash Tyler as well, uh, famous for being Clem Fandango and Toast of London. That's where most people this know is from. Fantastic development in my life <laughs> when I realised that Clem Fandango. Dango, and then he kept being in it I'm like oh my god he's actually in the show he's it's not just like he's in a couple episodes he's and now it. you want Matt Barry to turn up as well oh absolutely you feel like they could actually do a profit in joke moment where <laughs> yeah. they're kind of over the communicator <laughs> at one point um, but instantly straight away Rain Wilson amazing as Harry Mudd when you left me behind with the Klingons you robbed me of my dear sweet Stella the only woman I have ever loved, and I will have my revenge. Also, I'm gonna kill you as many times as possible. 
And Ash Tyler, immediately really likeable as this kind of, you know, action guy. Yeah. Uh, him teaming up with Lorca is great. All that kind of stuff, them being tortured and things. I, I really enjoyed this. Yeah. Did you, Paul? I enjoyed this episode a lot. Yeah, I was, I was, I was really getting into it at this point. Um, yeah, it was, uh, it was really interesting. And of course, you got to really enjoy Lorca, like a pretty much standalone episode, because you, yeah. you only just kind of seen him sort of walk on, walk off, and be really mm. mysterious. But this is the first time you get to spend some time with him mm. as well. See yeah. how hard ass he is. Like, mm. And you get some revelations as well about his past. This is the episode where obviously it reveals uh, that he essentially killed his old crew. Um, you know, so that's, that's what he says um, in this episode where it was uh, attacked by the. It was. Was it attacked by the Klingons? Like, I presume it's always the Klingons, <laughs> isn't it? Even though, I mean, it, it, we should talk about this. That thing in the first episode about it being 100 years since they seen the Klingons, it doesn't make any fucking sense. No, because they attacked at all. Like, Michael Burns' planet. Yeah, later on, she actually does a thing where... Because I thought originally when they talk about that and killing Michael's parents that oh it was a kind of unseen thing where they suspected the Klingons but when she talks about it she's like no they were in my house like murdering and eating my parents and I was hiding in oh, no, the they were eating their dinner not the parents <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, right. yeah. I thought they were a bunch of well because they do they eat they eat um, Giorgio in the early on in the episode they, they yeah. eat her so I assume they were just munching down yeah. on her parents and she was kind of watching from like the closet or whatever I'm like so where is it they have been seen you're not 100 years old they have been seen did you not tell anyone did you yeah. go it's like they haven't seen the clears in 100 years you're like oh well better keep quiet about my parents <laughs> what planet was was she on Earth when that happened no no it's, no it's an outpost kind of thing yeah uh, so, so maybe it was a was it a Vulcan exchange program or something uh, like well, no no she was there visiting and she decided to stay later she right. made them stay later on, you know, and then her their travel lodge got attacked. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe like, it's been Would it never years have happened at Premier End. It's been a hundred years since we've personally seen any clowns, but I'm sure they're out there. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, I I don't think this thing. It's a soundbite, like you said in our other episode. It, it for really Matt is. Mara to shout, like, yeah, uh, yeah it doesn't doesn't make any sense anymore. <laughs> but yeah, we get this revelation about you and. Uh, makes his character even darker that he kind of went oh no I've got to kill my entire crew rather than leave them to the Klingons or whoever the fuck it was who was mm-hmm. attacking his ship like I'm gonna say it's the Klingons but mm. I can't remember like, yeah. Yeah, um, it's a good shout yeah but yeah, yeah no this this one really felt like the most it got the, a good balance between being a standalone story and part of a serialised story yeah, as well because yeah. this one you can be like oh it's the one where he's captured and everything goes down with that. So it felt like yes. beginning to end was telling its own thing, but it's also part of the bigger narrative, as opposed to some, which is just kind of like carry on and leave off and yeah, just part yeah, of yeah. So no, this is the one that really stuck in my head as being like, oh, that was a great episode that I was kind of like glued to for like. Yeah, yeah, I totally thing. agree. And I think I just thought, I thought the writing was great. Yeah. <laughs> I thought the acting was great. I think they got it spot on. Yeah. And bringing back Harry Mudd, which is probably I don't know how controversial it would have seemed. I'm sure some people would have been pissed off, uh-huh. but it set up. Uh, in my opinion by a mile the best episode of the whole series which is when he returns mm. um, I just realised this is probably where uh, Prime Lorca is, is killed and so maybe the evil Lorca killed Lorca and his entire crew yeah that's what I and assumed like, oh, that's what I assumed pulled a flash man he's the only one left standing yeah because later on it's, you very much get the impression that this is the moment that they converged yeah. so I always assumed that yeah that's he did that because I always thought when he tells that story and he's going oh not my I thought oh, 
did you have to do that? And why did you get an escape pod and escape? Yeah, yeah. And now it makes a lot more sense if you go, oh, that was Mirror Universe or you're just like, I'm just going to kill you all. Like, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, it definitely makes so a lot more sense. So you're saying kill his entire crew plus Lorca, essentially. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Well, I think they are keeping the whole where is Prime Universe Lorca thing very deliberately vague because they want the option of bringing about Isaacs yeah. if he would come back or everything like that so which I'm glad about because I'd love to see him mm. back in the show um, we also get the more interesting second half of the stuff of the Tardigrade where they're really where Saru is captaining the ship in this one and they're having to kind of argue with him about you know what they should do with the mm. Tardigrade and try and save that we also get the first thing where uh, Stamets connects himself yeah. Uh, to the spore drive yeah. and starts operating it himself and we also get established there's a gay relationship on the show and it is one that you can actually go that's definitely a gay relationship <laughs> not just it's not touching your like <laughs> just uh, just with one finger just touch your shoulder like it was in Beyond like yeah it's like it's a real like they're actually living yeah. together and they are in a gay relationship definitely because I mean you know you and me when we lived together Matt we never kind of brushed our teeth together did we <laughs> so you wow. know they're definitely a gay Probably relationship <laughs> I tried are, are you happy about this Sean about what about, about the gay relationship or yes stuff? I'm fine good I'm yeah. glad I also think that they are probably in all of Star Trek, the couple that's written the most realistically. Yep. I mean, yeah, they act yeah, like yeah. a couple, they talk like a couple. Um, I think the Stamets character is brilliant. I think he's yeah. great. And having him be more and more in it is a, is a, is a great... Mm. You know, and, and having his role, the role he ends up playing for the crew, I think is fantastic. Yeah. He feels like a really uh, good doctor as well. Like, yeah, I, yeah, yeah. I, I'd be safe in knowledge knowing he was operating around. Yeah, I do yeah. find that the reveal of them being in a relationship still feels like a moment that it shouldn't oh, well, be. Well, yeah, 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 yeah. It does feel like they've built to it and go, ah, oh, see, we finally did it! Like, yeah, that was yeah. some pie poppers, because, it, yeah, it does feel like it shouldn't be, it should be just a more throwaway thing. Yeah. Do you think like, it should have like, just cut some shadows? <laughs> No, <laughs> I think they should have opened the whole series. Yeah, with, with I think they should have folk style. I think like, they should yeah. have gone from they should have interspersed the scene in the Klingon Council yeah. with hardcore setting. Mate, I, that I would have made it a lot more got, interesting for me. You've got a fifteen rating. Let's <laughs> really push it. If they just started doing the uh, gel shower scene from Enterprise, <laughs> yeah. like I'm only seeing a guy here. Oh, wait, that's another guy. Oh. <laughs> well, in that scene Enterprise, we saw a lot more yeah. Trek than we did of her, so... Um, but yeah no I I really I really like it I think it's important and you know I think they're very likeable in a relationship together I think you come to care about them as a couple very fast well it's I I think you know none of us have seen Solo yet but apparently there's like in the news that like Lando Carrozzi and they say oh yeah in interviews oh he's pansexual that kind of thing but they don't Mm. apparently do anything to show that in oh not that bullshit again exactly yeah yeah. it's like oh you know he is but we just Just don't retroactively yeah Yeah. Um, not the fact I have no problem with the character being that, but it's like in the film itself, there's nothing yeah, there. Yeah, and it's just like stop telling, or start showing. From yeah, Empire yeah. That yeah, puts it that way. Really, Th- this so. is a real <laughs> or him and Logan, clearly mm. right now, which we've kind of mentioned before. But it's like the whole it's it's the Dumbledore thing, isn't it? Of going J.K. Rowling is saying after all the books are yeah, Dumbledore was gay. It's like there's nothing in the books whatsoever yeah, yeah, yeah. to make you think he was gay, but he was gay, and I'm happy with Dumbledore being gay. 
but don't just retroactively go he's gay like have something in the books that makes it clear that he is gay like yeah it's like what's the problem with that it's kind of going it's that false lip service that's just kind of like what is this for actually do something it's an annoying trend isn't it at the moment yeah really have it both ways be like oh I want to tell the story I want to tell which is very restricting in certain things but I want to appeal to everybody and not seem so backwards it's just like do it proper (laughs) if you go do it and I I do feel like in this they they did it as proper as, as they could. Yeah, 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 like, yeah. Um, So that's that's really uh, nice. Um, oh, also the first hints of poor Ash Tyler being sexually abused. Um, whilst well, in yeah he, he turns around to uh, Lorca and says kind of Laurel has taken a liking to me and kind of very much go hint hint mm. like this is what's been going on while I've mm. been in Cactus State here and you know I, I've got to say I think this is really excellently handled like in the first half of the season the stuff with him um, and I do think the actor who plays Ash Tyler who is because you were writing down actors names before um Shazad Latif. Yeah, we can't just call him Clem Fandango no. all the time. Um, yeah, I think he's. I, I think his performance is excellent in this he, show. Yeah. Given how much I and I guess we all associated him with that weird character in terms yes. of London, I immediately clicked into the idea that he was a big action hero and yeah. that he yeah. was like he's a friggin' good actor. Yeah. I can definitely see him going far. because yeah. uh, I mean, how it. many sides of his character does he have to play in this? Yeah, yeah, yeah. so many. So like, yeah, yeah. So re- great material for him. Completely yeah. won over on him. So Lefe, yes, Lefe, which co-written by Joe Menosky, who is the only old school track writer to be invited back yeah, for he... Discovery. So yeah, this one involves lots of kind of mind melding and kind of the connection between Michael and Sarek. I guess here's a good point then to ask the, a good question about how this show fits into all Star Trek. What do we think about Sarek being kind of do you think it's crowbarred? Do you think it's earned? Oh yeah. In, oh, yeah. Like but do you mind? No. Or... Uh, yes, I do mind. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I do mind. Why do you mind Paul? I don't uh, I just yeah, it could have been any other yeah, Vulcan. Why do you have to use yes. Sarek? Yeah, I agree. It also gets worse later on if the fact Sarek acts, you know, in a way I wouldn't consider Sarek to ever act. Mm, you know, yes. we talk about the, the way he was quite happy to blow up the whole of like Kronos didn't start. Totally, yeah. Doesn't feel like, you know, the Sarek I know. And I know people have kind of pushed their limits in this one, but this is still the limits within the that, that timeline. Yeah. I don't think that it yeah. should have gone there. And having to give Spock a sister after all this time, essentially. Like, they yeah. would have known each other. Oh, yeah, like, 100%, yeah. It, yeah. It, well, it makes, actually, that's two half-siblings that, like, bloody Spock's got that we never hear anything about <laughs> until Final Frontier. You know? Oh, because yeah, yeah, yeah. it's got bloody Cybok as yeah, well, yeah, isn't yeah, it? Yeah. I mean, right, bring, bring back Cybok. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> 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 we're saying now, hashtag bring back <laughs> Yeah, that's it. We're starting out on this podcast. <laughs> if I don't see Cybok by end of Discovery, mate. <laughs> oh, Discovery! Right. <laughs> is, this, is this the episode where they sort of say, like, oh, there was only one one of the siblings was allowed into the vault yeah, yeah, yeah. and they chose yeah. Spock you know, what so you're trying to make it so like and then Spock told them to fuck off like, and so it didn't it didn't matter but, anyway. but yeah but we're like so what I just don't understand it does feel like I, I don't understand how I'm meant to give more of a shit about any of this because she's now Spock's brother and I, I, Spock's sister she's Spock's sister like, yeah. <laughs> what, but her name's Michael yeah. what <laughs> this is confusing um I yeah I I I have a problem with it. I mean, it doesn't offend me, but I just think it's so 
criminally lazy mm. yeah. and unambitious for a show that tries to have I mean there is ambition in this show yeah. to an extent it is and go weird. just have some fucking courage for God's sake yeah. it's that weird double sided thing isn't it where like say they're trying a lot of new stuff but they're anchored to this timeline, which was entirely on them to choose when to set this whole yeah, series. Yeah, so yeah, having yeah. to crowbar in certain elements like that, and then also run off with new ideas yeah. that also go against the timeline. So it's like, your new ideas are good, but they're kind of hampered by where you're setting it, and your old ideas are bringing these things in, or doing the same thing. It's like, oh, there's not, not yeah. one thing that's really pushing it away. Well, I think this is something we'll probably talk about later in terms of what is discovery as a show <laughs> what is in it terms yeah, of, yeah. because Why i would i would counter that by the end of this season we still don't know yeah in terms of what this show is and i should say i'll say early on that i like the show i'm enjoying it very much yeah. but in terms of what the show is yeah, it's having its season four up front isn't it almost like if or what enterprise ended up being was like the serialized version of it yes yeah yeah, and yeah. It's like perhaps season two is going to be like season one like it's just it, odd isn't it like how they're kind of approaching it but we'll only see how season two goes yeah. yeah yeah that's very true but I so far I mean I've got a feeling that we will never know what the show is but we'll, <laughs> well, we'll, we'll I, talk I about think as well like the production of the series and this is what episode six now mm. the production of the series was I think quite calamitous I think people like the show kept getting delayed a lot. dropped off mm. a lot of tonal shifts and you can definitely tell in the first half of the series because it is an utter mishmash of ideas <laughs> of tones and it's kind of a testament to how I mean there's I don't know where the quality came the from the editor <laughs> <laughs> just, but like it is still watchable and it's good you know, yeah, I was, very by this point yeah. it, like, it does get better and better despite and yet, all the things going against it there is that you know little thread through it that you just kind of can't quite connect with it at yeah, all yeah yeah and, but yeah it's like it's still competently made and produced and yeah. there is like a beginning middle and end to stuff it's just yeah but there's something behind it it's just it's yeah, strong yeah. isn't there so um, I always think you should always have half an eye on, on the fact that it was mm. it kind of has no right to even make Twist sense yeah. I've definitely got to ask Ronnie about this like oh you know, yeah like, indeed he, somebody who was there from the beginning to the end like how like did it shift was it like the intention was different mm. but, uh, yeah this is Ronnie Rao Jr of course who we're hopefully going to be talking to uh later on today who plays uh, Bryce the comms officer we first see in uh, Context is for Kings uh, riding, driving the shuttlecraft um, but yeah he was he was around the whole thing so it would be very interesting to mm. hear that kind of view of what was what was going on um, but yeah the showrunner you mentioned who kind of dropped out the show is Brian Fuller That's it, of Brian course Fuller. famous for dropping out uh, of shows uh, yeah famous for dropping out of shows but also <laughs> again, like, for show running pushing down Daisies and Hannibal, Hannibal as was well hit, was it, it yeah. was a big big thing yeah. and um, yeah he was around he's still credited for the story and some of the script of the first two episodes uh, and then he's out and, it, and that is very interesting the sense of I mean I'd love to hear from Brian Fuller what his plans were because because he's only got his kind of actual handprints on those first two mm. it kind of makes it feel like what was this like a completely different show and then they said like was it the Shenzhou show and Michelle Yeoh was the captain because I, I don't know if you remember but when they were doing the casting announcements Yeoh got announced like quite early on kind of thing, and then Isaacs got announced afterwards and then they went oh it's actually going to be two ships and everything like that and it was all quite confused and I'm thinking in my head was was this originally like when they called it Star Trek Discovery 
was Discovery not the name of a ship. Mm. It was just like Star Trek Discovery. And the Shenzhou was actually the main ship. And she was the main captain. And then they came along and went, no, 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 no. We want to do this other thing. And he went, no way. I'm, I'm out of here. And that's how this developed? Maybe. I don't know. Because it, it would explain some of the oddness, certainly. I, there's definitely, at some point, once this is all over... This is going to be a very interesting feature-length documentary, maybe made by a friend, Roger Lajina, <laughs> about how this all came together. Well, yeah, like, I wonder if maybe with um, Brian Fuller's intention there wasn't any Mirror Universe stuff, and then after it kind of went one way and changed, they brought all the Mirror Universe storytelling in to get back to some of the other characters. Yeah, maybe. It's very... It's, it's odd, because it is... You know, it's kind of a series of mini-arcs mm. as much as one story yeah um, Yeah. oh no it's definitely yeah. like, I agree like I, I think this show burns through fucking plot like yeah, anything yeah, yeah. like any of these mini arcs that the show has you think that's an entire season arc on yeah, its own yeah, definitely. and they're just like no bam on to the next thing on to the next thing all the time that never allows itself to rest for any more than like four episodes like then mm-hmm. they're, they're on to the next one well, it's yeah it means actually the Klingon war really isn't a big feature of this show at all it's always in the background it's never kind of like massively like impacting on them particularly is it they're always going to be in the periphery doing their own sort of investigations and yeah, dealing with yeah, Harry yeah. Mudd's hijinks in episode 7 maybe. yeah well yeah we should move on to episode 7 magic to make the sanest man go mad which I Sean you said is your favourite love this episode and I I've only look, to be fair I've only watched it the once I might on reviewing not like it as much I thought this was irresistible. I thought it was <laughs> irresistible. so. I thought it was so fun. More, than, it was just fun. It was fun, yeah. In a, in a way that the show mm-hmm. probably hadn't been just yeah. fun. And just a yeah. simple high, well, simple high concept. Yeah, uh, way in. With yeah. The, just with Star Trek does Groundhog Day. Yeah. That's yeah. it, isn't it? Star Trek oh, yeah. Groundhog Day. Um, but should... also the Ash Michael sort of <laughs> blossoming romance yeah. sort of thing really came to the fore in this one. Uh, and it's really nice I, I, just, thought I, really was, I, just, I just thought it was great I, I don't know yeah. I really liked it it's one of my favourites I do like the endangered space creature like, just because it's like head blown off like straight away yeah, <laughs> yeah. 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 And it's a great showcase for Rain Wilson, isn't it? He's I mean, he, he's all over this episode, and he, he's just great. He's so full of charisma and just really funny, mm. and he, he's just great to watch in this episode. Well, I hope they bring him back again, yeah. definitely. I think they definitely will. Yeah, I think I think they've stumbled upon some very good potential villains for the whole thing, and yeah. he's definitely one of them. He needs a fix for his like uh, hate though, because Lorca's not about anymore. <laughs> so. Yeah, and, and does yeah. it does it end with? Like his his wife or someone showing up. Stella. Yeah, because the only mud episode I've seen of the original series is Mud's Women, which ends with him being surrounded by like an army of robotic versions of his wife. So it's basically like him in trouble with the missus is how it ends, and that's yeah. kind of the same thing. Yeah, yeah. I yeah. mean this ending is slightly odd as much as the Groundhog Day conceit has resulted in none of this really happening Mud has essentially murdered people <laughs> like time and time again and shown great sadistic enjoyment in doing it yeah. there's a very so funny a sequence because he only feels that way because he knows it's a loop uh, okay sword. yeah yeah I mean there's a very funny sequence where he's killing Lorca like loads of different ways time and time again which is very funny yeah. um, but it's that kind of thing where they really he really gets let off at the end of this I mean I suppose they're going oh his punishment is going home with his wife <laughs> <laughs> there like must be like a temporal law kind of thing it's like even if you've killed me in another universe like you know you have to pay for yeah. that 
It's like you better yeah. if you hit me in my dream, you better wake up and apologize. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like you've still done something wrong. Like you know, it, it becomes that thing of like, oh, if there's no consequences, so I'm like, what are we in the purge? Like, yeah, it just it's yeah, it's a bit weird. But you know, the episode's so much fucking fun. Yeah, it, re- it really doesn't matter. Like you know, you're just enjoying watching it. And again, Stamets because of the fact that uh, we constantly see his character develop because obviously the spore drive is kind of having a weird effect on him mm. and kind of it, he starts very uptight and then becomes a lot more chilled out and then he kind of you know heals himself by that but he seems to have stayed kind of more a more pleasant person kind of he's, he's learned from that and mm. also his relationship with Hugh I think that's that's really really nice and I, I just I love his character development he mm. becomes more and more likeable as it goes mm. along uh, and I like the fact that he's sort of the main character of this episode in a way and says that he's the one who remembers mm. straight yeah, away yeah yeah right on to <laughs> fucking hell yeah you go with this right one. what he, See this is, is this Klingon <laughs> no, I think it's Latin right oh right see this pacem para bellem I haven't seen this much Latin since I read Asterix uh, <laughs> right so this is the 8th episode uh, where what the fuck happens in this oh yeah this is the one where Saru Tyler and Michael are trapped on the planet yeah this right? is season 1 X-Files like kind of thing isn't <laughs> yeah. it? it it really feels like the episode where they go to the Native American reservation and there's like a some big you know thing put on a fire and it's all just a bit kind of mystical but like definitely just filler like you know yeah, we have to make yeah, 24 yeah. of these a year so <laughs> although although I would say it is it, in plot wise it does feel like filler I think character wise it's an important episode for the relationship between Michael and Saru because yeah. it kind of brings all of their animosity that they've had since the Shenzhou because obviously Saru obviously blamed Michael for what happened kind of to a close because he finally has an opportunity to kind of get that out they actually have a fight and everything because Saru's kind of influenced by the planet isn't he and he kind of finds himself at peace but then Michael has to go like no look we can't just stay here we need to sort out what we're doing mm. um, and save like the world from the Klingons and from like it's that a little bit this side of paradise in a way yeah yeah, yeah. I suppose so and yeah. it, also you don't his uh, gills don't go up quite as much in the second half of the series because potentially what happens in this episode you know he gets like you know he get, comes and turns himself a bit more doesn't mm, he mm, mm. Yeah. he kind of puts himself he, and also we get to see how he's dangerous more decisive. he's much more decisive in the second yeah. series that's very true I, yeah 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 I, I find that a weird trope anyway that he has gills that go up when he senses death <laughs> oh, I love it I love it but I would think just would you just kiff you'd have one of them in every single <laughs> ship then yeah, yeah. just go are we going to die let's check the <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, so your gills out mate well, <laughs> he's even more he's more um, useful than Gianna Troy though so it's, isn't he yeah yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. Yeah, it's very true. I got to say, I really like the uh, the Gills fear of him sensing. Just I think it looks cool. Yeah. I, I think the kind of the monster sign. I a part of this is obviously the way Doug Jones' physicality is really incredible. Yeah, yeah. The way I mean, obviously we've just I presume we've all seen the Shape of Water mm-hmm. uh, with Doug Jones again playing the the Fishman in that. And I mean, he, he's a master of this, isn't he? He was also mm-hmm. Abe Sapien in the Hellboy films. And he's the guy you go to when you need someone buried under those prosthetics and still able to emote and act mm-hmm. uh, with with that. Uh, he's he's really great, and you feel really sorry for him here, I think, because he he has had a hard time. Like, he's, he's a brilliant, he's a brilliant character, I think. Uh, in a sort of series with uh, surprisingly few alien characters, mm. 
Yeah, that's true. Actually, uh, yeah, he's, he, he's one of the good ones. He really stands out. Yeah, like wow, they got the main one. They got right. You know. Yeah. It's not so, like so we don't we don't even see the Vulcans as like uh, alien cats. We're so familiar with them, and they yeah, kind of yeah. look so close mm. to humans now in Star Trek that we're, you know, he, he, there's no Ferengi, to, like you know, from really kind of out there makeup. He is literally the sounding alone, isn't he? Pretty much, yeah. yeah. Well, there's that one kind of robot person. Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah, she's like she's cut black and white, isn't yeah, she? Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. Is she an android or a I alien? I assume an alien, but uh, uh, there's that one uh, in the on the Shenzhou who's very much a robot who's just got like, oh, a, like yeah. a screen head like I yeah, think yeah. like looks like a computer for a head and she was really cool well you visual. know it's like weird how like uh, you know in a hundred years time data's like such an amazing thing down on the bridge like oh, android human like person you know yeah. whereas they've got them here a hundred years ago. well earlier. this is they another might've... case of what we were talking yeah. about isn't yeah. it like with the, the time of having I mean, that competent they're on the bridge I don't mind them being down below like in the deck <laughs> down below <laughs> Oh dear! Right. Um, so we see so the opinion of the rest of you is this episode was filler, wasn't bit, it? Bit I, 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 I'm the only one. Nice moments. Appreciate it. It was, it was fine though. It was I fine. mean, it is literally episode eight, so it was literally filler. It, it, yeah, well, it's, it's it's penultimate episode of the kind of before the mid season break, mm-hmm. yeah. obviously. So at the end, we get a big cliffhanger of the yeah. Klingons are coming. Yeah, weirdly, how like the Into the Forest I Go is the name of the next episode, which is uh, after the Forest episode. Oh yeah, that's very true. Well, this is too with the weird spore drive forest bullshit, isn't it? No, no, no. This is the actual 133 jumps, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, it is. Because he goes, he actually says, like, he keeps banging on about yeah. the forest, doesn't he? In terms of the mycelium oh, yeah, network yeah, yeah. type stuff. Because um, those life forms have contact with the Klingons as well, so they're all converging, aren't they? Yeah. So this is the big mid-season finale before we took a bit of a break and everyone cancelled their CBS All Access uh, <laughs> subscriptions <laughs> until the show came back. And by the way, how lucky are we that we just get it on Netflix? Oh, I love it. Ooh. I mean, oh, baby. Like, literally, yeah. I, 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 one of our previous guests, David Trumbull, who came on for the original series episode, he has still not seen Discovery because he lives in the States and he doesn't want to have to buy CBS All Access and every other Star Trek show is on Netflix there apart from Discovery. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that is a cock tease, isn't it? It's like going like, oh, we got the rest. Like, yeah, but not the new shit. Yeah. You want the new shit, it's over CBS All Access. Mate. I should have like, binged yeah. it when he came back for like... Yeah, no, I, I said, look, mate, just come over to Inga for 15 hours. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, log- you, can, you can download them all to your phone, can't you? And then take them yes. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, I think I have tried, or, but... Or do they you... delete off? Yeah, if you download oh. something, here where you can and then travel to another like region they're gone I think it doesn't ne- play well never put never put your roaming on basically when you get there yeah well no I because I, I think I downloaded the movie <laughs> never pro tip number two <laughs> yeah, yeah it's just like, like, I think I downloaded the movie tips for illegally downloading yeah, no, that's Wait, it. Of I, was, I was in I was in France or somewhere and there was obviously French Netflix kind of automatically boots up when you look at it. No Netflix. <laughs> and there was like a movie, I can't remember what it was, there was a movie on there that wasn't on Netflix back home. So I downloaded it. Was, was it like, Taxi? I'll, I'll have that on the play. <laughs> I think it was something like Margot at the was Wedding. Was it Talk? Yeah. <laughs> and then, yeah, by the time I got home, it was like, you cannot watch this. I was like, oh, so you can't just damn say, oh. you, Netflix. I love how at the beginning of these episodes as well, they always go, a Netflix original. I'm like, yeah, nothing to do with Fuck this. Fuck a lot like, yeah. they, yeah. they do it all the time yeah I mean and it's really weird in the sense of because we watch Riverdale yeah me and Matt and on that it's not even like you know 
putting it before the show you go oh okay but then it's actually within like the actual show like while it's playing yeah. it comes up like a Netflix original it's like you're not this is a CW show how insecure are Netflix do they want oh no well we made this don't let anyone tell you different go, I mean, they're like, re-editing stuff to get their bits in there I don't know how because I said that like the Bad Batch movie that played at a bunch of festivals and didn't get a UK release here but it came onto Netflix but like you say, the, the Netflix original bit comes up as part of the movie. Mm. But in times of like where it's the, the opening is like kind of shots of stuff happening, then black in the title, and it came up with its own one of that. So that's like taking up. This the, is the, the power is of Netflix. In, you know, it's it? like it's been cut to this. So yeah. like how they slip you know in. Annihilation as well. Didn't they do that? Did they change the film? Like yeah, that? no, that comes up because that wasn't made for Netflix, but they had it. Yeah, it's Paramount, I think, wasn't it? If in a yeah. minute an announcement comes on the podcast saying a Netflix original, don't listen. Yeah. Like, like, it's not, <laughs> not true. <laughs> um, right, Into the Forest I go, mid-season finale. So this kind of wraps up all of the Klingon stuff, or at least for now, um, with the kind of big showdown with Cole, who's kind of been our primary Klingon antagonist for this first half. Oh, what we didn't fucking mention before is the thing with Lorca sleeping with the Admiral who suspected and that's another thing where she's going oh you're really different and everything so now we know why he was different and he kind of deliberately gets her to do the kind of Klingon peace negotiation knowing in the back of his mind it might go wrong and she gets kidnapped so she's on Cole's ship Um, she's a good character the Admiral Mm. yeah yeah you think so yeah Am I misremembering? Is she the same one who's in later on the series? Yeah, she comes yeah. back later on. I think on, she's yeah. great. She's pretty hard. She's. I think she's good. Yeah, no, we, I, I we're agree. We're so used to having inco- everyone yeah. is incompetent and stuff. <laughs> yeah, yeah. the main characters. It's nice to have some good people. <laughs> she's reminds me of Kathleen Kennedy for some reason. Yeah. What the Star Wars Regisa? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Is that because like, she's firing everyone? Yeah, she's in charge. <laughs> she does. Try, she does try. And ki- she does try and kick off Lorca, doesn't she? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like that was her turning up to Phil Lord Chris Miller. Like I see, you've changed. You aren't the men I hired. <laughs> <laughs> Too much improv on this stuff. <laughs> oh dear. Um, so this is kind of—it's weird, isn't it? Because when they kind of go onto the Klingon ship, uh, it almost feels like a slight rerun of when they did on the second episode. Mm. You know, mm. fighting Klingons and stuff. But I do like it. I love the big fight well, between you know, Michael and Carl. Spent a lot of money on that set. Like, <laughs> So, you know, they need to redress it and just make it the bridge of this. But I I felt this was more of a finale than we get later on, if I may be so bold. Yeah, no, 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 I think you're right. It's a proper, like, things going on at once. You know, there's, like, you know, two missions going on the ship. There's a big showdown. Somebody's being rescued. Mm. Yeah. There's, you know, the spore drive thing. It just just felt like it really did build to a kind of an epic kind of, like, Mm. showdown. 133 jumps. 133 jumps, yeah. Yeah, (laughs) it it is. It it does... You're right. It does feel much more like an all-out action finale than Mm. we get later on, certainly. Um, Maybe that's kind of deliberate, in a way, because they knew that the one later would be more subdued. I will admit, I probably still don't understand the science between why they were doing all those micro-jumps. I mean, I know it's mapping something, but it went over my head a bit. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know, this is that kind of... The whole Spore Drive Mycenium Network bullshit is kind of that thing of... It's, it's feels like more sci-fantasy, doesn't it, than hard sci-fi in terms of you're kind of trying to connect the more hard SF universe with this weird tangential yeah, concept. Except Harder Grades are real. 
Yes, as we discovered yeah, when yeah. Uh, Sophie came on the show and yeah, educated yeah. us all. We'll all be jumping around. And the kids using... Uh, she, she's educating her kids using Star Trek. Yeah. Uh, yeah, and rightfully so. I think that was for our benefit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah, Tyler Gray's... Yeah, there's actually lots of Tyler Gray kind of like fan material out there in terms of like, you know, badges and, you know, things you can get. But yeah. what do they mean, tardigrades? <laughs> what is this? Like? Very, 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 very small. Right, like, not like the massive monsters. I'm like, wait a minute! Like, literally, look out the window, tardigrade <laughs> going down the street. Oh, I've, I've missed this. I'm so out here. Like, uh, yeah. but yeah, no, it's 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 a decent kind of action climax. Do you think it? the action in the show is good? You lot. <laughs> uh, what do you what do you mean? Do you mean fights and stuff? Or? I think the fight scenes are very poor, and really? I like that. You like it? Yeah. I think it's got original I, series. There's kind. a lot of sword fights for a show. That's yeah, well, they they think they've got the Game of Thrones. Well, it's so yeah, Game yeah, of Thrones. Yeah, yeah. It's very post Game of Thrones. I think, and I think the. Um, I think the space battles are like alright I think they're fine I think they look great I yeah, think maybe I have a great. problem with the designs of the ships um, what's your problem with the designs of the ships I don't I don't even remember what the Discovery looks like it's got like I it looks should... like every other Starship Enterprise yeah, and it's got a, and it's got oh, a spinny flat. disc it's got a spinny disc it looks like Hypno Disc doesn't it from, <laughs> from Robot it looks Wars. like the space spinner <laughs> you're free with issue 1 of 2018 I think um no, I yeah, I don't know. I'm not sold on the design of the ship. No, I think the Klingon ships are very clunky, aren't they? They're not. Yeah. Uh, when you look at like the Bromian Warbird and those and the Klingon sort of battle cruisers, like they were really awesome designs. They really are, you know. Yeah, yeah. They know exactly what you're getting, and you could put them in, you know, different eras, and they I've made them slightly different yeah, each time. Yeah. But they are still kind of like that kind of blueprint. With this, I just don't know what they were go, get, going at. It's the weird coffin ship, isn't it? Yeah. Where it's got a bunch of... Yeah, it is all a bit odd. It, it does. I mean, I mean, it's all very fast cut, like, you know, fight action, but it's like it doesn't feel like movies great. Well, there's a fight later in the season, which we'll discuss later, which I would argue is proves that wrong, but uh-huh. that is one fight later on. Well, actually, you know what? Actually, there's a bunch of fights in the second half that I really like. So maybe they went and hired some really good fight choreographers for the second half of the season. I I think it's far. I reckon everything they wanted to achieve with those fights, they've completely succeeded. They wanted them to look like that, and they look that great. Uh, I think I just look at them and... I just think it's so weird. You think I could do that? I just think, yeah. I just always thought you should have been in there. (laughs) I want you to kill George. Um... So, we end with a cliffhanger uh, where they find themselves somewhere that they don't know, that well, they've never seen before. Just, it says in the notes here that um, the that it was Lorca who changes the figure uh, the right at the last second. Does he? Do you see him do that? Yes, he does. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's when he says, like, oh, let's go. He kind of, like, taps something at his side. And I... He, you I think, think that he maybe he's... Yeah, you, you assume but... that he's just doing, like, you know, whatever. But really, I, I think watching it first yeah. time, it just completely passes you by and you yeah, go, yeah. oh, yeah, well, obviously, he's the captain. If he knew the doing... coordinates to the mirror universe, why didn't he do that as soon as they had... Uh, it's yeah. it's to do with because the mapping thing is something to do with he's with looking into well. the parallel universes at the yeah. same time because before they do the math thing he brings Stamets in and says oh look I've discovered that there are these parallel universes and we need to explore and it's all about mm. the exploration because that's uh-huh. what Starfleet is meant to be doing so he kind of fools him into helping him a bit mm. um, so yeah oh, we also get in this episode uh, the real flashes of 
Ash's PTSD, um, which you know was discussed a lot of the time. I think is is really really well done in this episode, mm. where he kind of shuts down and he can't yeah. uh, fight and stuff, and he's talking to the admiral. And yeah, she is really badass uh, here because she uh, has to sort it out herself, even though she's kind of almost crippled. Going, it's funny. I think it was around the the break when all the fan theories were popping up of who Ash really was, which does turn out to be true. And I mm. remember thinking they were pretty out there theories, but based on the few clues they had, they were piecing it together. And that's kind of the era we're in now of TV, of piecing together plot twists and things, because the online community is so strong, they can throw so stuff out. Because famously, Westworld Season 1 has a whole bunch of reveals that come later on that like the Reddit community worked out after like, oh, two episodes. Okay. To mm. a point where the Westworld creators recently trolled all their fans where they went on Reddit before season two started and said, oh, if this gets however many upvotes, we'll post spoilers for the entirety of season two so you can be like, keep hold, you know, placeholders of the um, secret so that people theorizing don't accidentally spoilify stuff because there's a theory of like, if you theorize something that turns out to be true, is that spoiler oh for my fucking hell yeah. and they basically Jesus. just dropped this video of Evan Rachel Wood singing the uh, Rickroll song that's like great. fuck you <laughs> oh Christ this spoiler phobia and mentalness like, but no, so they guessed the Ash Tyler stuff which was pretty impressive yes because that seemed a bit weird I was like what there's no way he's it, it is weird it is weird but I think you know what uh, second time round uh, it felt a lot more kind of a lot better in terms of I could see how it developed and everything mm. like that and plus like I say that dude's performance Clem Fandango forgotten his name again sorry mate uh, he's, he's so fucking strong in terms of he's balancing so much yeah. he's asked a, he's asked a lot of him yeah. Yeah. as a performer I, I, I vine with it it's just the whole like how they did it it's like if you can do that then surely the need for medicine like has been like you, you, you can do anything if you can transplant like a species into another person, um, you know, surely you know that that means anything can be cured. Like you can just yes, reassemble yeah, something yeah, inside yeah. out. You can probably like duplicate everything. Well, then again, you'd have to sacrifice another person to do it. Essentially. Well, you know, you'd find a way, wouldn't you? <laughs> <laughs> I th- I, yeah, I really, I really liked it actually as a sort of thing. I liked that he was both the both people and then they mm. kind of figure this out and they don't know how this has happened mm. um, but and, and I know what you mean in terms of like well there's no need for medicine Star Trek uh, is so full of these little things mm-hmm. that you just you, 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 do, roll with it you now, do just yeah. have to accept it and if you're enjoying it in the moment then they're doing something right yeah um, <laughs> and which you know I, I, I think that's what discovery is probably a testament to as an entire series it's like yeah if you want away with yeah they, they can get away with it because it's so well done you know they don't have to be that consistent with certain things you yeah know. well he sells it doesn't he That's yeah the yeah. Thing. yeah that that is the important thing um so this is where we got the uh, couple of months break mm-hmm. between episodes am i allowed to have a toilet break And that brings us to the end of part one of this two-part Star Trek Discovery Season 1 retrospective. Um, Part two will be released on the 12th of July. Hope you tune in then.